put it out yourself. We are meant to finish the end of chapter 2, halfway through chapter 3, thinking, oh no, we are in real trouble. This, this is a big, big problem. So let's start by looking at God's provision. And if you've got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. And we're going to read about 10 verses. But now, but now, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. But now, I love those two words, that sort of change. Problem, 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 problem. But now, there, there is a change coming. I'm, 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 I'm going to start to describe, to explain what this change has. But now a righteousness of God has been revealed. There's, there's a way that we can know God. There's a way that we can now stand before God in a right place. There's a way now where we can have a right relationship with God, where we can sing the songs that we were singing earlier with an open and full heart, not fearing the dread of condemnation and judgment, but knowing acceptance and love and peace. But, but now... There is a righteousness from God that has been revealed, but it's not by our rule keeping, it's not by our effort and these beautiful words, but it is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Suddenly in those few words we find both the means of salvation and we see the object of salvation. The means is a childlike faith. A, a, a three or four, five-year-old can say and mean, I believe in you, Lord Jesus. A 95-year-old person with five doctorates and great intelligence and IQ can also say, I believe in Jesus. That faith, which is a gift from God, is the means by which we come to him. Because having exhausted all of our own efforts, having exhausted every single thing we can do ourselves, you know what we realise? I cannot do it. I need someone who can do it on my behalf. I need someone who can stand in the gap instead of me. And we find that person. We see that person named. He hasn't been named, I don't think, since, since chapter one. But he is named again now. Faith, not in an object, not in a set of rules, not in a religious group or a church. Faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This is an open invitation. Any of you can come. You can't be too bad. You cannot be too evil. You cannot be too silly. You cannot be too clever. All who believe can come to Jesus. That is the only the only condition. You may have come here today thinking that Christians are good people. No, they're not. Christians are just those that realise they cannot do it on their own. And they've turned to a saviour. Jesus Christ. And then we go into the next couple of verses. And in a sense, Paul quickly reiterates the problem, but then he brings a, a greater depth to what he has just said. And that's where we're going to spend the majority, or really all of the rest of the time that we've got. He says, for there is no distinction. 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. I want to spend 15 minutes, maybe, looking at these three phrases. I want to explain what they mean, because they're not words, are they, that you use every day. I mean, I can hardly say propitiation. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you're sort of, uh, the sort of words you use in Sainsbury's. What, what does it really mean to be redeemed? What does it mean to be justified? And it's, it's, a, it's a bit like this incredible thing, salvation, that as you look at it, you see different facets to it. You look at it from different angles and it wows you at the grace and the mercy of God displayed in so many different ways. Father, I just want to ask you right now that as we look to just dwell for a moment on your wonderful, glorious salvation, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us minds to grasp, give us hearts that will be warmed, changed transformed by the truth that we hear this morning. Oh Lord God, I ask you, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will bring revelation. So we're going to look at these three. There's many facets to salvation. We're just going to look at three of them that are mentioned in these couple of verses. And my prayer, as I just pray, is, oh, that you would you would know them. That they would cause you to worship Jesus with a fuller understanding, with fuller hearts because of what he has done. So the Apostle Paul says this, for there's no distinction. I sort of already laboured that point. For all have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. We have missed the target. So what is the answer to this? And are justified by his grace as a gift. Justification means to be acquitted. It means to be declared not guilty. And we are justified by his grace. That means we're legally acquitted. Not de- we're declared not guilty before God, which is both immediate and permanent when we accept Jesus. So, so that, that whole acquittal, God doesn't say, well, it's really good that you've, you've accepted Jesus, but let's just see how you go for a few months. No, the moment you accept him, you are, I am acquitted. We are declared not guilty. It is a wonderful, wonderful truth. We are by nature under the wrath and the judgment of God at our sin. But in that moment of accepting Jesus, and you probably never really fully understood what was going on, you were justified, just as if I never sinned. That's an easy way of remembering it. Just as if I never sinned. Legally declared not guilty. Now, now as Christians, we are forgiven. We are pardoned. But I don't know if you've ever thought of this. If you're pardoned, you're pardoned from something you have done. And we, we are, in a sense, pardoned and forgiven. But if we are justified, we're declared not guilty. 
we are innocent of it. It's, it's this legal phrase. It has a stronger sense to it. In, in a sense, what we are saying, what God is saying is, you are not guilty. You are not guilty. It's not saying actually that you never did it. What it is saying is, you are not guilty of it. You are innocent. And the only reason that can be the case is because Jesus is convicted and condemned to crucifixion because of your guilt. And we are justified and exonerated because of his innocence. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because the condemnation that should have rightly come on us has already come on Jesus and in heavenly courts there are no retrials. There are no re-going over the evidence again. The judge of all the world has said you are innocent. I justify you, which is both permanent and instantaneous the moment you became a Christian. So therefore, even if you sin in the future, you are still innocent because Jesus Christ was condemned for your sins past, present and future. This is an incredible promise that we get to enjoy. Romans 8, there is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has already been condemned for your sin. It's Wonderful news, and I know you know it's wonderful news, but I just know that you're catching up with that wonderful news. I'm like that as well at times. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin because the sinless saviour died my sinful soul is counted free, and I've forgotten the rest of the words, but they're good. <laughs> but, but, but why? It's, it's so important. It's not just that Jesus decided, oh, or, or God decided at one point he'd justify you. Because of what Christ did, you can be justified. And it's all of grace. Did you notice that? It's a grace gift. You're justified by his Grace. Grace by nature is a gift. If it's not a gift, it's not grace. It's, it's a grace gift. God has decided to justify us entirely freely, with no strings attached, because he has chosen to. God's justifying verdict is totally unmerited. I did nothing to earn it. And if I spend long enough thinking, I can come up with loads of reasons why I don't deserve it. Justification is completely a matter of grace on God's side. I think Natalie shared this um, a little while ago. She said, justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. We have never deserved to be acquitted in the courtroom of heaven before God. But as a grace gift from God, we are acquitted. Once for all, never to be revisited again. If you 
don't know Jesus here today. Uh, and I don't know what's going on in your life, but if I can humbly say the biggest problem you face today is not that big problem in front of you. It's the fact that there is a God who is holy and just. And he will judge every wrong thing you've ever thought, every wrong word you've ever said, every wrong action you've ever done. And it doesn't matter how much you try to do to put it right. You can never do enough to put it right. You will always miss the mark. You need someone who will stand in your place. And there's only one person who can do that. A sinless saviour, Jesus Christ, who lived perfectly and died on the cross for the express reason that we might be just as if I never sinned. But I have, I have, I have, no. Christ has carried the penalty. I am justified. The next thing that Paul goes on, that's one facet, I'm justified. The next facet, you see the gospel is not just about forgiveness, it's also about freedom. I have been redeemed. I have been freed. I have been liberated from the power of sin and Satan by Jesus' work on the cross. To be redeemed means to uh, be liberated through the payment of a price. Jesus in himself paid the price that I might be freed, that I might be free to live for Christ. That I don't know if you've ever thought about it, just that phrase, through redemption, shows the costly nature of how the acquitting verdict was made possible. When Paul wrote this, this word redeem, redemption, would have been used of prisoners of war, slaves, or condemned criminals. They could not pay the price themselves to receive freedom. They couldn't. Someone else would have to step in, pay that price in order for them to be set free. If you were taken prisoner of war by an oppressing enemy, the only way you'd get free is if someone paid a ransom price for you that you could be set free, that you could be taken out of the slavery to that cruel oppressor and brought back. That's the only way it could take place. And that is exactly the same case for us, for me, for you. Christ paid the price so we could be liberated from the power of sin and Satan. Colossians talks about coming out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. That, that, how was that done? How was that made possible? Did, did, did God just send a nice letter to Satan saying, I really do like this group of people. I wonder if you'd be most kind to let them go. No, Satan had a legal hold on us because of our sin, because of our rebellion. The only way we could be set free is by the precious blood of a lamb who would ransom his people that they may be free to worship the living God. Only, the only way possible is because of what Jesus Christ did. It gives us freedom 
from the devil's legitimate hold on our lives. I can look at my old slave master and say, I don't work for you anymore. I'm not your possession anymore. I have been set free. That happened the moment I gave my life to Jesus. Now, the outworking of it is a lifetime event. But in that moment, I was set free. That's what the whole thing of baptism points towards. As you go down into the water, I'm going over here because this is where we normally have baptisms. As you go down into the water, you're saying, my old life is dead. I have died with Christ. As I'm under the water, I've been buried with him just as Christ was buried in the tomb. As I come up out of the water, so as Christ was raised to new life by the glorious power of the Father, so I too am raised to new life. Why? That I might not live for my old master anymore because I've died to him, that I might live for Jesus Christ. I have been redeemed. I've been set free. This is a fact. Now, if I'm honest, my biggest problem here in my daily life is it so often doesn't feel like that is a fact. So I do not doubt what the Bible says, but so often my reality falls short of it. Now look, you've been well taught. When it comes to making decisions and believing stuff. Do we trust our feelings? Or do we trust what the eternal, imperishable, God-saturated Bible teaches? By the way, I'm not trying to point you in one direction or the other. (laughs) Come on, we know where to turn, don't we? So even if my reality, or what feels like my reality doesn't line up with what the Bible says, something needs to change and it isn't the Bible. My belief is the first thing that needs to change. I need to line up my thinking and my believing with what Scripture says. In the last couple of years, in a particular area of my life, I have been doing that. And it takes effort. And it takes work and it's an ongoing battle as we do that. But it says, as you, as you, those who know the truth, you will know the truth and the truth will. Knowing the truth is not just being able to repeat it. It's a knowing in here that we live out of the good of. It sets us free. It's powerful to bring change in our lives. You have been redeemed. You have been ransomed. And then lastly, the last thing we see here. We are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This is probably the most difficult word to say and hardest word in some ways to understand. Basically what it means is that Jesus bore the wrath of God against sin instead of me. 
Jesus bore the wrath of God for my sin instead of me. The argument from the first two chapters of Romans, it is clear that the wrath of God is being poured out against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. The wrath of God is being poured out and it needs to be dealt with our sin. Jesus bore the wrath of God against sin. We should have borne God's wrath for our sin. But Jesus was substituted in my place. Jesus took the punishment we deserved so that we didn't need to. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Both holiness and justice demand that sin is dealt with. The God we worship, we know it from the Bible. He is a God of love, but he is a God of holiness and he is a God of justice. And there is no way God could remain holy and just and sweep your sin and my sin under some heavenly carpet and pretend it didn't exist. It needed to be dealt with. I don't know about you, doesn't it show the gravity of my rebellion that the perfect son of God, Jesus Christ, had to die in my place, had to die in your place? Christ's blood is the means by which my salvation is secured. The death of Christ is the means by which God does away with people's sins. Firstly, from a believer's conscience. And secondly, from before the sight of God. You know that beautiful verse in Psalms where it says, our sins are remembered no more? The only reason that can be true is because Christ paid the penalty for them. As I said, it wasn't a really thick piece of carpet that they all got swept under. So who will pick up the paycheck for my sin? Who picks up the paycheck for your rebellion? If it's us, if it's me, I will face the justified wrath of a holy and just God. If it's me, I will. If it's you, you will. But we come before a loving saviour. And we plead to Christ. I don't know about you, but when I think about these things, it humbles me. It causes me to remember that just like everyone else, I was a sinner who needed saving. And only Jesus being my substitute has made a way for me to be saved. 
You know, it's a great antidote for pride, self-sufficiency and a judgmental attitude. Pride looking down on, or judgmental attitude looking down on others. Self-sufficiency, I can do it on my own. We can't. We need a saviour. Can I invite the band back up, please? Our salvation centres on the person of Jesus Christ. Our faith doesn't rest on good works, rule-keeping, family background, or having done more right than wrong. We've seen the futility of these things. Our faith rests on what someone else has done, and that person is Jesus. And faith is the only access to this salvation. Faith isn't some kind of work, but a simple and open-hearted attitude toward God, which takes him at his word and gratefully accepts his grace. He asks you to come, to come now, to surrender gladly to the Saviour, to accept him freely as your sacrifice. And enjoy the riches of the life which Jesus has traded for your own. We are the most privileged people in Hastings right now. We have been justified. Legally acquitted. Before the judge of all the world. And never again can our sin come back to haunt us I've been redeemed I've been brought out under the cruel tyranny of Satan and sin that I might live for Jesus Christ wholeheartedly and fully and it was all achieved by Jesus Christ standing in my place his hands nailed to a cruel cross taking my place taking the wrath of God that should have been mine oh what a saviour oh what a champion oh what a foundation for our faith what a certainty for our hope why don't we stand Lord Jesus I want to thank you for the grace and the mercy that we find at the cross. I thank you we may have had 64 verses of problems, but within these four or five verses, we find this incredible, heartwarming, life-changing solution that is beyond us. If we are here today and we know you and we love you and we follow you, we say our hearts are warm and and, and full of praise and glory for our Saviour and our King and the one we love with all of our hearts. And if we're here today and we don't know you, why don't you reach out to him right now in the songs that we're singing? When we take the bread and wine, there's an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, please forgive me for my sin. I choose to accept you as my Lord and my Saviour. 
It's an opportunity today. Today can be a day of salvation. Complete life change. It'll cost you everything to follow Jesus. But it's the most wonderful, glorious, amazing privilege to be a follower of his. And to know what it is to be saved by him. Let's worship now.